1: It is Radio City talking. Neil Atkinson, Paul Senior, Rick McAvoy and Adam Smith with you on your Friday afternoon Liverpool after the Champions League draw and the first thing to notice, uh, you know, we're going to talk about the draw, the ins and outs, we're going to look ahead to the game against Watford, I've got Tony Evans coming up talking about his forthcoming book, two tribes, uh, which is excellent by the way and it's also lovely to have a chat with him about it, all of that is to come but before then, uh, let's. the first thing I noticed was we were all sitting around, we were all watching the draw Rick and everyone had a reason why they didn't want each of the eight teams, uh, seven teams, so you were Liverpool everyone adds, well I don't want them because of this and it's just a reminder really you're in the last eight of the Champions League you're in the company of seven really good teams you're getting one of them that's
0: the whole point is you're down to the last eight no one's there because they're rubbish everyone's done well to get there knocked out big teams along the way whether it's in the group with teams like Monaco going out whether it's in the, the knockout stages they're there for a reason you're not just going to go. oh, brilliant! We've got uh, FC Timpo in the quarterfinals of the the European Cup. You're going to have a big team. So, I think the disappointment would probably come from the fact that it's it's a team you've already seen twice this year. To see me see at least twice every year when you get to the quarterfinals, you want in. If you're going to get a big name, you'd want one of the big European names, right? I think that's. That, that,
1: I think the way Rick's phrased that as I've got a lot of. I agree with in that. To be honest about this, Manchester City could well knock Liverpool out. I mean, any any of the sides who are remaining could knock Liverpool out, but Manchester City have probably got about as much chance as anyone else is knocking Liverpool out. And I'd almost rather be beaten with novelty <laughs> than beaten with a side who we face twice a year. And and also the novelty of getting your, you know the away trip, everything that, that 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 gets caught up in all of that, the the adventure of it as well. We've lost the novelty, we've lost the adventure, and we've gained a bit of back page tabloid needle that I think we could probably all do without. I think it's the most boring draw. That's what's frustrating about it, for exactly that reason, because
2: it's a team that we know, blah, blah, all of that stuff, and all of the usual things are going to get dragged up. Man City's record at Anfield, Klopp's record against Guardiola, Liverpool's loss there in in the all of that stuff that we've that we've already read about all season, because we've been you know talking about it all season because it's happened. So that's boring. But that said, you. You literally have to beat the best teams if you want to win the competition. That's the way it works. You know, I know somebody else might knock them out, but if they knock them out, they are, you know, de facto better than them. So, you know, you have to beat the very best They're teams at least very to cool. win it. Exactly. They're going to be at least a very, very good side, which is why, just a slight sidetrack on my own thoughts, but very quickly, which is why I was amazed BT Sport thought Manchester United's 0 0 draw against Severe was so good. It was like they hadn't seen them score goals at Anfield, which they, you know, they did with relative ease. So, is it was, everybody just sort of I thought, oh, well, that's United 3, which is mental. They've they've gone and knocked them out. And it wasn't massively surprising to me because I thought, well, I've seen them play. Anyway, the point being, you have to beat all of the very best teams. I thought we're going to face, if we win it, we're going to face Manchester City at some point. By the time it gets to the semi-final stage, City have got the league wrapped up. So they can play, they could do a competition for fans and play them in the in the league games as far as that's concerned because it doesn't matter, it's irrelevant. The quarterfinal stage, they have at least still got to win it. And whichever way you look at it, you can say, yeah, but they can rest players because they'll win it later. Yeah, but if you said to us, you can go and win the league at Goodison Park, we would be absolutely bouncing around the place. And you can't tell me that City fans don't want to win the league against Manchester United. That would just be glorious. So they will be thinking about that game. It will be a big game for them. And it's still alive. So if you have to face them, face them now while the league is still slightly alive and they've got something to play for, I think. Um, so I, I'm slightly bullish about it because you can get knocked out by anybody. Uh, I'd rather we had a, a glamorous European trip.
1: But then again, in a selfish way, I don't go to the aways. So, you know, <laughs> that is in a selfish way. In a selfish way, Paul, I'd <laughs> quite like to have gone to this one. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, but it is away second leg as well. And you can theorise on whether or not that's an advantage, you know. All you want emotionally, it doesn't feel like an advantage. I think that's the thing I'd say. I think there's a logical argument We'll call it the Phil Blundell argument, uh, the argument given by robots and grey bearded men. (laughs) But I always like the idea of you know, and it can be correct. That's what the point is. It can be correct. Uh, The Phil Blundell argument tends to be correct, but I like the emotional arguments. I wait till we get them back to our place. So it is a bit of a shame it's gone that way around.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure. I actually agree with you. I might, for the first time in my life, I might be on Phil's side on something. <laughs> uh, I I, I said on our reaction show on on Tor Player that this is probably the only team I'd have fancied at home first. The last thing I would have wanted is to have gone to the Etihad and be trailing and nothing to make that up around field. You know, Pap Guardiola is a a savvy man um, and a very a very good football manager. So I don't I don't particularly. Feel that the the way it's turned out is that much of a tragedy. I the thing for me is I I would fancy this Liverpool side now since the turn of the year to take a lead to um to the Etihad in the second leg and dog it out. And that's probably the first time in a long time I felt that about a Liverpool side, probably since since Rafa's time here. The event of game maybe that sort, that sort of thing where we could be savvy enough to do that. But the thing is You've got to win the home Like I think that I think Usually in these These ties That the first leg Can just be a dull affair And the, You know You're playing for uh, Draws or score draws Or whatnot to, to gain The advantage In this one I think Liverpool need to go and win um, In the first leg Or get a nil-nil I think I think they need two Two Bites Bites at it. So two opportunities to, to take the lead So whether Liverpool can win the score draw in, in normal time will just win the game itself at the at the um, at Anfield and dock I out. I just think, I just think Manchester City will be very good at their own ground. There's
1: my thing on Manchester City. I'll go back to you first on this. Paul is I did something with there uh, with David Mooney's uh, Blue Moon podcast earlier today. It'll be mm. out next week. He gave us a call and said you, we have a chat. And one of the things I said was, I think that as a game, it feels like it's mostly defined by how well Liverpool play. And the reason I say that is because we know how good Man City are. Yeah, they've been consistently pretty much that good all season. The reason why their league record reads like it does in terms of all the wins, the occasional draw, and only one defeat against us, is because they've been, you know, they've been eight out of ten minimum week in week out. So we can expect them in this game across the two legs to average eight out of ten. We can expect that that's what we're going to get. Liverpool, we are, you know, by virtue, again, look at the league table, we have been more inconsistent across the course of the season. And it does strike me that straight away, if I'm Manchester City, the first thing I'm thinking is, well, I just want to know what Liverpool we're getting. Because if we're getting a Liverpool that can score three goals in 20 minutes and that Liverpool's going to turn up in both legs, yeah. then we might need to score seven across the two legs to get through.
3: That wouldn't surprise me, actually, that they have to score five, six to get through, because... You know, I don't think Liverpool are going to be drawing blanks in both games. You know, I wouldn't. I'd be surprised if Liverpool drew a blank in either game. Um, quite frankly, so Manchester City are going to have to score and score a few to go through. But you'd also say, well, so do we. You know, so Man City aren't going to draw a blank. That's very unlikely in both games or or even one. Um, so, I, for for me, I think it'll probably end up like. A four three on aggregate or something, you know. I don't, but I think the first, the first leg at Anfield, def- very much defines that. So that's maybe why I feel the importance of the first leg, in this fixture alone, is maybe
0: an, 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 an obvious advantage. <laughs> From my point of view, I look at it and go, well, I, I get what you're saying about the first, first leg and wanting to taking advantage. My my only thing on the first leg is I want us to win it because of the away goals rule. Right, I, I don't want them scoring more away goals um the I think the idea would be that if we get ahead and then we can we can dog it we can we can defend a lead we can sit back hit them on the break well, the problem trust me, is, i'm not
3: I'm not taking the score draw Do you know what no. I mean?
0: I'll, take, I'll take a nil nil but the only the only issue I've got with with any of that is we've seen last season less extent but this season very much so city don't change the way they play it's not like we, we go to their two up and they're going to go all guns blazing play some completely different style and leave it open at the back they're going to play how they play they just keep doing what they're doing because they know that their style works and so it's not going to be a you go 2-0 up against uh, Chelsea and they come at you all guns blazing
3: this thing, is, sorry Neil to come across the only thing I would say about it's Klopp versus Guardiola and they know each other probably more as, as well as any any managers it's sort of you know, the, the days where we start Benitez versus Mourinho and they were facing each other all the time. I mean, these guys have had her in two different leagues now um, and and Klopp's sort of been on top in a, in a number of them battles. That being said, I, I don't think Pep Guardiola would change his side for many managers, but I actually do think he shows Jürgen Klopp the respect that, that playing him before and there's quotes from him from when he was in Germany with Bayern after Dortmund that just trounced him where he's gone. You know, I'm not... I'm surprised I'm never gonna let it happen again. But the thing is with Guardiola, he did manage to rectify it. To, something to consider.
1: I think he, I think there's the idea that Man City might well tweak bits and pieces of what they do for his adam. But I think, you know, Rick's point, and this is this is back to what I'm saying about a lot of this depends what Liverpool do, because within reason, you know, plus or minus ten percent. I think anyway, and maybe I'm wrong, but we know what Manchester City are going to do, broadly speaking. We know we know what's brought them to where they are this season. It takes a lot to to, to, to throw out the window what's brought you to where they are this season. And also, why do you need to if you're them? And I, that's the thing. I think this is, this is a tie. We've got ourselves, and again, we can see this as a positive. I think we've almost got ourselves in a two-legged tie where the defining factor in the two-legged tie is Liverpool. It's not Leo Messi. It's not Cristiano Ronaldo. It's not the the collective brilliance of Bayern Munich. For me, I feel as though whether or not Liverpool go through, the, the it's about what Liverpool do. It is, yes, it is, um, and
2: I think, I think that what plays into our hands slightly over that potentially is the fact that Jurgen Klopp is a man who learns lessons. I think you know he he is a man who who tends to if we've lost a game against the side, he tends to learn why and how. Now that doesn't always work out because I think United is still the team that the only team that he hasn't beaten since he's been in the Premier League. So it doesn't always work out but he but he does learn lessons and he does so he will have learned lessons from the game at, at the Etihad earlier in the season. And I it's I suppose that's a difficult one to learn from because Amane's of sending off changes the entire game. I think it's a good thing that we've got European referees this time around. Um, but I think he'll learn lessons from that. He'll learn lessons from the first leg, and then we go into the second leg. And you know, if we're in a position where it's it's a toss of the ball and it's all to play for, then you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I, I, I think it's quite interesting because Liverpool as a, as a, as a city, but especially the, the the football club, is one that seems to get swept up in the idea of of signs and emotions and things like that. Like I remember when in you know two thousand five. There was some mad thing, wasn't there? Where like Princess Diana, uh, sorry, Prince Charles had got married. Somebody on Coronation Street <laughs> had died, and there was like a load of stuff. This time we're looking at it, and you know, the last time we won the Champions League, we played the runaway leaders in the Premier League across two legs in the knockout stages. They won the title in the match in between the two legs. Uh, you know, so it, it's one where we, as a as a as a fan base, we can start to talk about, oh, look at all of these coincidences that are lining up. And that's, I know it sounds daft, but that's the sort of thing that we get swept along in. And then Anfield's absolutely, it's going to be bouncing anyway. And the second leg away from home thing, I I think the Etihad isn't known for its intimidating atmosphere. It's you know what it's known for is look at all the empty seats and I don't think there will be any empty seats but I, I don't think it's gonna be it's not gonna be Anfield it's gonna be rocking it's gonna be absolutely bouncing so if the, if we go there holding on to something, Klopp's learn his lessons from previous games. I think it's I think it's a fascinating time and it's the ideal time to play them.
3: I think Adams right on that as well. I think I think the atmosphere plays more of a of a uh, of a part in this fixture than than what you think and. and not because of previous Champions League nights where they've even seen the likes of Real Madrid and Juventus and sides wilt under mm. that. It's mostly due to the fact that a few months ago in the Premier League game I see Manchester City themselves, this Manchester City side wilt yeah. under the pressure from out, from Anfield. Now I think that, that atmosphere was was up there with anything I've seen post Chelsea two thousand and five. Quite yeah. frankly, that was, the cop was sort of well, the, the, the ground I, I should say now was was almost angry that day, going out determined to prove a point that that's Liverpool side were on the same level as this Manchester City side. Now if you look at the league table, they say two different things, but I think there has been a a momentum shift since 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 then. I I just think it's going to be even even hotter at Anfield that night.
1: Okay, this is the Anthea App on Radio City Talk. We will be back after the break to talk further about this. We've got Tony Evans to come and look ahead to Liverpool versus Watford, where there's even more riding on that game now. Find out why in a second. It's the Anfield rapid. It is the Anfield rap on Radio City Talk. Welcome back. Listen, in a minute, we're going to be go- talking further about this and how it impacts the Merseysides' army. But first, uh, it is the uh, Liverpool ladies are playing at Prescott Cables. I think it's the first time they've played there against Chelsea in the FA Cup this weekend. It's Sunday, 2pm. Get down to that if you can. It's not the usual witness. It is Prescott Cables uh, this weekend, 2pm, if you can do that. First, though, these are Franz Ferdinand with Do, uh, do You Want To. Franz Ferdinand there with Do You Want To. Um, Adam, you mentioned before about... Manchester City, they do find themselves with this game against Manchester United in between the two legs. We can see the Everton game, which has now moved, by the way, public service announcements, from Sunday to the Saturday at half past 12. um, That's been confirmed. It is... I, I. I don't, think, I don't think there's that much of an advantage in either, either direction. I think that Manchester City may well take the, the, the supporters, may well take the line you said before, which is, well, we're going for the title, but we're, we're able to say, well, you know this lovely competition we're all enjoying, we'd like to be in it next year, please. And it could be of really real importance to Liverpool that they, they get a result against Everton. But for me, that's why without beginning to really get stuck into the Watford game, looking at Watford and Crystal Palace as a piece before you even think about that Everton game, I think... You know, if, if I'm Jürgen Klopp, that's my team talk for, 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 to get six points out of those two. Lads, we need to get six points out of those two because it'll help us with our wider ambitions.
2: Yeah, and and as has been observed before, we play both of those games before Tottenham and Chelsea play again. So we can be 10 points clear of Chelsea, I think, before that game kicks off. And we can have a, a, a bit of a distance between us and Spurs as well, which is you know just nice scoreboard pressure to be able to to put on them. So <laughs> taking them both, you know, taking six points from the both, it won't be easy, I don't think. You know, I think I, I feel a little bit like having watched all of Spurs, Chelsea, and United slog and have a horrible game against Crystal Palace, and then nick it right at the end. I think we'll either batter them or draw, or lose, or something like that. I don't think it'll be that slog with the what, the, the last-minute winner. I feel that like we'll do one of the, the two things. But the really important point with all of this, including the Champions League, is this is exactly why Jurgen Klopp was rotating so much earlier in the season. This is what he's been building towards. He knew that we could get to the business end of these competitions. He's done it before, taking a team to the final of the Champions League. So he he knows what it takes... And he, this, is, this is what he's got his eye on. He's got his eye on these league fixtures. And what I think will be really fascinating is if he decides to to try something a little bit different for a period of time, perhaps against Watford and then try it again against Palace, something like maybe playing Ings and Solanke as a two, thinking about the Everton game, just to, to trying a couple of little tweaks of things
1: to think, who could I rest in the Everton game because we're not going to have much time between the fixtures. It is already going to be in his mind I think Paul I think, I think Adam's right to say it's been in his mind all the way through the campaign but I think the best way in which to 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 alleviate the pressure is to put scoreboard pressure on Chelsea I think that's the main thing that we can do at this stage is to, is, is to be, begin to create that buffer zone Manchester City have got a buffer zone and I completely agree with Adam before they're not going to want to go into a Manchester derby where they can win the league and roll over it might be easier for them to do that or, or play a very weak side. roll over is the wrong way to phrase it it might be easier for them to do that on one in one sense than it is for us but he is going to be looking at stuff, isn't he, between now and then? I think he already has been looking at stuff, to be honest.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 fortunate thing is, I suppose we've got a manager who's probably more experienced than anyone in the squad of dealing with these pressures, you know. Um so I, I'm not sure that he needs to change that much. There's there's lads in and around, the fringes you can maybe drop in for a game here to, to almost like give one player a game off. So, you, I don't know, you can use Lallana. The right-back situation is obviously quite fresh. The left-back situation is is all right. He's been rotating Matip and Lovren anyway. Um, Van Dyke, does he get a day off recently? Uh, he gets a day off recently. Mm. The, the only concern is with the front three because the, the quality drop-off is is substantial. Um, that being said, they've been ran and ran and ran again, these lads. Um, you know, you've seen Mo Salah I think there's two games off the top of my head that he, that he doesn't start. Um, I I don't think there's been any drop-off or he looks tired or he needs a break. They've, they've always been in games where Liverpool have been comfortable the first to be withdrawn. So, I, I don't know, maybe you might see a couple of games where Lallana, Lallana maybe play in the, in the front three or the midfield almost becomes more like a four with... With a Firmino Salah or a Firmino Mane, sort of the one that you can't really drop is the one I've just you know I've just said is Firmino. I just don't see how the system works without him at the moment. You know, you've seen games where Solanke's come in and we've looked not like Liverpool. If I'm honest, you know, it's been like playing with ten men at times for me. Um,
1: Could he go four four two? Something four four with Ings behind. What say Salah? I don't see it, Neil.
3: I, I don't. I, I think I think he's got a almost ride two horses you know last last season we sort of limped over the line to fourth without a European campaign we don't look like we're doing any limping from the turn of the year the lads the lads look fresh I mean if you're telling Mo Salah you're going to rest them, and he's got you want to win the golden boot I just as much as personal victories and team victories don't matter you try telling them that I, I can imagine especially now Harry Kane's got a month out this is a real opportunity for him to go and do that I just don't I know he's going to make sensible choices, but I almost think there's momentum here to consider as well, and I think he will be pretty strong in every game, including
0: the derby. The only real way I'd go any any different to that, uh, in, in my thoughts, is, is for the derby. If, if we can beat Watford and Palace, like Adam was saying earlier, gives us a 10-point lead over if, Chelsea if Tottenham, play. if Tottenham then beat Chelsea yeah. and then we've got that 10 point lead they've got one then, game in hand and also then we're playing before them again so anything we get from there is, is kind of a bonus right so it, we could end up going into the derby going well we really need to to go full full hit on Tuesday for City away maybe maybe we do drop in uh, Solanke with Ings coming from one He's side. He's done it before as well. Solanke yeah.
3: in the Derby, hasn't he? And I mean, where I I'm sitting here as a fan, still probably mortified from the back the fact we didn't beat them last time because he he rested aside. And I, I do believe that's probably the only reason we didn't beat them last time. I I've, I just does he? I don't. What I'm saying is, that does he learn his lesson? I mean, he came out of that game probably being a bit bullied by his biggest fans, where... You do not do that in derbies, and he didn't in the FA Cup game. You know, we went, we went strong. He plays Van Dijk almost where really he didn't didn't have to. It was slightly a bit of a risk. I wonder whether that was. A lesson learned that's different from Germany that he didn't expect.
1: Okay, this is the Anfield app on Radio City Talk. We'll be back after the break. We've got Tony Evans talking about his book, Two Tribes, which is about the whole of the 1985-86 season, one of the key turning point season in English football uh, that is to come. And we're going to look ahead to Liverpool's visit, uh, visit from Watford, sorry, I should say, uh, this weekend. A game, as I said before, with much, much, much more riding on it now. The Anfield Wrap is, of course, partnered with Reds Bet this year, all the way through the year, all the way through 2018. Uh, So very, very quickly, obviously, if you're going to gamble, gamble enjoyably, but do so responsibly. Uh, Be gambleaware.org for more information on that. I'll come back to that at the end. But... First and foremost, I've got Mary Lund with me again to, to go through the, the specials from a Liverpool point of view. Yeah. But last week you were saying, you know, you, did, you, you had to go to a Mancunian office. You were worried you were going to get loads and loads of stick. I tell you what, Sevilla did you a favour.
4: I know, yeah. So when I came into the office on Monday, they were all, they didn't say a word. They just let it pass. But then obviously Sevilla beat them out and I could not not say anything this morning when uh, it was, you know, the big draw day. So, so
1: did you let them know then that they they, they were just weren't one of the best eight teams in Europe?
4: I, I did, yeah.
1: But their own manager's saying it, so why shouldn't you? I
4: know. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: He's the one. He's the, he's the one who's making it clear. Um, anyway, let's let's go through the specials then from the Liverpool point of view quickly yeah. for this weekend for Watford. Watford gap. Liverpool to score four or more in the first half. That's optimistic.
4: I know, I know. But we actually had a, a meeting today where there was a Watford supporter in the room, so I asked him like, "What what are you what are your thoughts on this game?" And he said, "I have zero faith in my team." So, you know, you never know.
1: They've been really poor away from home and they were yeah. they went great at Arsenal. Uh, okay, next one is Luther miss it, a play on Luther Blissett. Uh, Watford to miss it. Oh, sorry, the Watford gap was uh, was 20 to 1, 4 or more in the first half. Uh, Watford to miss a penalty, 16 to 1. That's actually quite. Feels like there's something in that.
4: Yeah, um, I don't know. Um, how many.
1: Well, Troy Deeney missed one last weekend against Arsenal. Right, okay. So I think that they're thinking, I think the theory of the people who put these bets together are thinking, well, if they get another one, who'd take it? Cleverly missed one for them against Everton in injury time early in the season. So they've got a bit of penalty missing form.
4: Okay, so uh, yeah, and maybe Carius can muster a save.
1: It'd be fantastic if so. Uh, 16 Mm -hmm. to 1. Pool party, Liverpool to win and both teams to score. It's 5 to 4. That feels like it's a good bet.
4: Yeah, I feel that is likely to go in. I mean, we're now, we've had a few clean sheets, quite a lot of clean sheets, really. So, don't know what it's up to on the day.
1: Would you, would you, to concede at Anfield at some stage? Mm. Uh, that one's got is quite tempting. Cardboard, no bookings in the first half. They're a big team, Watford. I'm not having two. So that's two to one. I'm. I reckon. I reckon someone's going to wallop someone.
4: Yeah, I uh, actually they have had four red cards this season, so that's like. The level with Chelsea on the most red cards and fifty yellow. So.
1: So that's why that's two to one. Yeah. But rather than being odds even money or anything like that, two to one on that one. No bookings in the first half. Would be strange to go to the game and have something in the back of your mind saying no one get booked. <laughs> but I quite, I quite like it. your feet, everybody. Uh, Mane, happy returns. Sadio to score three or more. Yeah. Forty to one. Sadio Mane hat trick. I'd love that. I
4: know. I know. He's had two in the Premier League, but both for Southampton. So.
1: And the fastest one ever.
4: Oh, yeah, that's right. two minutes and...
1: I think it was 59 seconds yeah. in the end, yeah. Uh, so that's three or more from Sadio, it's 40 to one. And then you've got the perfect weekend. Uh, and this feels, the perfect weekend, feels interesting. Liverpool win, Everton lose, Man United lose, Everton are away at Stoke, Liverpool at home to Watford. It's 33 to one, it's 33 to one, Man United at home to Brighton and Hove Albion. So yeah. the idea of, of, of United's week having started brilliantly and fallen to absolute bits, That's the perfect weekend bet.
4: It would have been absolutely brilliant if it had knocked out of the FA Cup as well. Obviously, that would make going into the office on Monday very enjoyable. Uh, But yeah, they got a lot to redeem on this
1: they've got it yeah, yeah it's it's. But Brighton are interesting they, they, they got beat 1-0 there earlier this season and at that time Mourinho said it was the hardest game he'd had <gasps> up to that point in the season it's 25th of November I think they played and they gave, it was a Lewis Duncombe goal between the sides a great weekend Liverpool win Everton to fail to win and Man United to fail to win I presume that's in 90 minutes against Brighton because it's the FA Cup tie and it can go to extra time and penalties 5-1 yeah. to one. that could be quite nice 5-1 to one for yeah. that
4: and then obviously there's the horrible weekend six to your six insurance two. bet yeah <laughs>
1: Liverpool lose, Everton win and Man United win.
4: And the uh, horrible weekend actually did come in last weekend.
1: It did come in last weekend. <laughs> I did notice it come in. It, was, it, was, it, was, it, was,
4: <laughs> it felt horrible as well so.
1: it was absolutely brutal I was the radio on Monday and it was the first time um, firstly the first time they let me go first normally the way they make me do the radio at five o'clock on a Monday is we've won and we've won well yeah. so they make the blue be miserable whoever the blue is the rotating sort of cast of miserable blues gets like the first 35 minutes to be miserable mm-hmm. and then it comes over to me and I'm like yeah we played really well the weekend really bright this weekend the, 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 on Monday it was like you're going first the blue's made up you just sit there now and it's your turn to be bodied for, oh. for, for, for half an hour
4: yeah so now we know what it feels Looks like.
1: Yep. So uh yeah, that's the horrible weekend. That's 66 to 1 for Liverpool to lose, Everton to win at Stoke, and Man United to beat Brighton and Hove Albion. That's very much a tempting insurance bet, that one. Uh because you know, if Liverpool do lose, it doesn't it doesn't take much imagination to imagine the other two coming in. Mm. I think it's fair to say. So 66 to 1 for that. If we called the Rob Gutman bet. That's the sort of thing Rob does all the time. Uh all those sorts of stuff. But listen, thank you very much to Mary. Um we'll get back on and we'll get on with the rest of the show. Welcome back to the Anfield Rap. Uh, Earlier this week, I popped down to London, and whilst I was there, I saw Tony Evans. And when I was speaking to Tony, I talked to him about his new book, uh, which is called Two Tribes. It's about the 85-86 season uh, in all of its glory. Uh, And that glory is, from a Liverpool point of view, uh, stark, but also it was a brilliant Everton side. We have a talk about that. Uh, It was an excellent West Ham side. But there was so much going on, uh, the climate around at the time, and it was about a turning point in English football history. Here's me and Tony. In Random House, with Tony Evans, Neil Atkinson here, uh, to discuss his book, Two Tribes. And it's a book, Tony, which is Two Tribes is an interesting title. It's Reds versus Blues... It's Liverpool versus Manchester. It's North versus South. It's the Big Five versus the rest of the football league, and it's you versus everyone.
5: Well, yeah. Well, that's uh, the story of my life. But uh, I I didn't see the two tribes as Liverpool and Everton, really. I saw the two tribes as uh, those who were fighting Thatcherism and those who weren't. And you know, sort of, I saw very similar to today. You know, the the split within the country, the, the 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 issues that were going on, the the, the lack of politicians attempting to heal that, and, and the battle that was going on for the soul of Britain, the United Kingdom, and nothing changes, does it? Well, you
1: start, you start the opening of the book is that at length, and I think that sets the scene for, it's not a list of games that happen in the 85-86 season. There's loads of big moments for both Liverpool and Everton that you're glossing over, to be honest with you, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to put what this football season meant... In in a, in, a, in a wider cultural sense, the sense of the conversation, and it is fair to say, isn't it, that eighty five eighty six was a real turning point for football in, in 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 Britain. Everyone looks at the Premier League, World Cup ninety, the Premier League post Hillsborough. That's where everyone dates it. But you're making an argument within this book. It's eighty five eighty six post Heisel.
5: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, that was when the road to the Premier League started and, you know, it's it's clear, I think it's, um, most people have got the narrative that Hillsborough was the disaster that created the Premier League, well no, not really, it was Heisel and, um, and, and Essentially, one of the one of the big things football was at its lowest points. It looked like football was going to die. It was over. Attendances were so low. Yeah, uh, people didn't want to go. We'd had in the eighty five season, eighty four eighty five season. We'd had the riots, Millwall rioting at Luton. We'd had uh, Ian Hambridge killed uh, after the game and. Um, Uh, Birmingham against Leeds at St. Andrews and then uh, the last day of the season the horrible Bradford fire and then comes Heisel and immediately after Heisel, Thatcher jumped in and what she did, she used Heisel as a tool in a war against um, Liverpool, the city, and as a tool in their war against the working class, because football obviously was the biggest expression of working class culture in in Britain at the time, and 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 so to this so this created a, a massive cocktail, and of course at that moment, football being so brilliantly clever, picked a fight with television and ended up off television for the first half of the season. All of that,
1: what I think comes through really well is that story gets told through. The Liverpool and Everton players as much as through you, as much as through you speaking to Peter Hooton and people like that, you actually get, and I think this is, it grabs your attention, you know, Peter Reed and Neville, South, Neville Southall in particular but not just them, you get the, these football players to to articulate how much they understood and now understand exactly what the cultural battle they were part of was
5: Oh yeah, without a doubt, uh, Reedy and Neville were brilliant, you know, the are the, the really bright fellas and they very, very committed to social justice and and equality. And they realised, they realised that the Heisel ban wasn't about Liverpool hooligans. You know, although, you know, let's not deny Liverpool's culpability in this because, you know, I I try to make that clear. But they realised, well, it kind of could have happened to anyone. But didn't. It happen to us. And they realised that they, there's none of that bitterness, you know, oh, they, you know, we, we didn't get to play in the European Cup. They were disappointed with that, but they realised there was a wider thing going on. They, you know, they, they were, um, you know, Reedy in particular, obviously knew Derek Hatton and what the City Council were trying to do. And the way Thatcherism was trying to crush not only the politics of the city, but the spirit of the city
1: and in there as well, you touch on, for instance, the the, the now thirty years released managed decline memo. That's in there as well. That the, there's there's all these touch touchstones that. You know, I think putting that context over to people, Tony's you know, you, you've put it front and centre for this, that it, it's so important that people understand that not just Liverpool and Everton that are at the centre of this book, there's loads and loads of West Ham in it. And we'll talk more separately for subscribers about what West Ham meant in this season because I think it's an untold story uh, to the wider public. But there's lots of West Ham, there's lots of Manchester United, there's lots of London, there's Chelsea in there as well. It's not just Liverpool and Everton who are on the brink, that city, it's the whole nation you're trying to tell the story of.
5: Mm. Yeah, it's football was has always been a good indicator. Of a nation's temperature, of a nation's mood, and and this year in particular was, you know, there's there's Redden in there where Margaret Thatcher tried to uh, implement the uh, identity card scheme. There's Oxford's, you know, because um, yeah, um, uh, um, Maxwell. Maxwell, yeah, he was trying to merge Oxford and Redden into the Thames Valley Royals, and you know, and Oxford went on to win the um, the League Cup that year, and of course, famously. Uh, beat Everton right at the end of the season. So I I tried to look at the whole season. I I, I didn't want to write a Liverpool book or an Everton book, although I wanted to give Everton, that great Everton team, due, uh, due, you know, it's due because it was a tremendous side. But the the game, the whole game was on the brink at the time. And there was lots of of things happening that lifted the spirits of the country and made people fall back in love with football, at a time when it looked as if you know, it was the, the pariah game people were shunning it. Uh,
1: and that, you bring that sort to of a, to a close around the cup finals, the cup finals, the eighty six World Cup you touch on the eighty six World Cup at the very end of the book but that happens in Mexico the point is the cup final happens in Wembley it happens in London, but it's the two Merseyside sides who are duking it out and that that becomes the sort of the, the moment of, of salvation, really, for the nation to be able to watch what was a really good game between two really good sides. You make the point in there, it's better than the European Cup final was that mm. season. You know, that was, it was a major sort of, a huge worldwide event, and that's the, that's the payoff, really, isn't it? That's the,
5: well, we, we brought it back. Well, yeah, and a year on from Heisel, the whole world was looking at that game, and oh, can Scousers behave? I mean, a quote from the previous summer, uh, one of the newspapers papers, which talks about Live Aid, and they frame it in terms of Heisel. You know, it shows how young people can gather together without, you know, being violent and destructive. And you know, and that's the way we were being thought of. And then this gathering at Wembley of way more than one hundred thousand scousers, the eyes of the world on them. You know, if it turns nasty, then God knows where the game's going. It's all over. But it did the opposite to turn nasty. It was, um, it was a, a showy strength and a showy unity. And again. The Everton players recognised that as much as anything, and the importance of it to the city, and even though they they were, you know, the the way they were treated was absolutely terrible. You know, to lose to lose a cup final, to have the double done by your neighbours, and to be treated the the way they were, share the plane on the way back, you know, um, on the couldn't
1: believe the bus that they had to get a tour bus behind Liverpool, well, with Liverpool,
5: you know, three buses, Liverpool in front, the press in the middle, and trailing along Everton, you know, it was horrible. But they understood that they they needed to lose with dignity. Whoever lost needed to lose with dignity to show that the city wasn't full of nihilistic monsters. It was, you know, ordinary, decent people. The other thing that's right slap-banging there, which strikes me
1: as, as fascinating, really... You've done it before because you've, you've for instance, you did it in Far Foreign Land. But in Far Foreign Land that is very much your personal story. That's you that, that's you telling the mm. story of Tony Evans and and the the finals that you'd been to and the experiences that you had. Within this it's a it's it's a fascinating little journey for me because you're a character within the book. You're in the book a little bit. You're conscious that you're at these matches. You know, it's as simple as that. At some point, you tell a, a really interesting personal tale. But you're, 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 a, you're a participant in a lot of this. You're one way or another in the way in which someone in a football crowd is. How was that to write?
5: Well, it was difficult, really. I struggled with it. Um, and it's all coming up because Giles Elliott, who was the um, commissioner and editor on it, he read the 84 book. And he said to me, he says, oh, why weren't you in? So I said, oh, well, you know, it's the story of the team. He said, but you read all the games. He should have been in it. So I said, Oh, you know, I, I feel a bit uncomfortable. And he, said, so we started talking about this and he said to me, I want I want your experience in it. He said, I want not know what it was like to be a, a young fella in, in his mid-twenties going the match at the time. So I struggled with it for a long time and you know, I'm not entirely sure it works completely, even now looking back at it. But it kind of makes sense because to understand it's alright, you know, you read things and say, Oh, you know, it was like this then, but you know, for example, the uh, the story of what happened on semi-final day hmm. on the Tottenham High Road. I think you know people have been a little bit shocked about it when they've read it. You know, it's um, you know the way the police reacted, the, you know the way the way things um, you know unfolded. and yet, but that's what it was like. You know, it was um, you, you were it was it wasn't that dangerous. Let's be honest. But occasionally if you are caught in the wrong place, you you know, you're in trouble. Well I mean just a quote from that
1: and I think it's really interesting because you tell the story of you being caught in the wrong place that it that it's 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 pretty pretty horrific. But then you, you go on to say this, you go on to say the legends of football hooliganism talk oh, talk equally about equally matched mobs of lads facing off against each other. The books are about the subject are written in a pathetic, mock-heroic style that elevates the protagonist into knights of the streets. It's all rubbish. Most incidents of violence occurred when one side had significantly bigger numbers than the other. It wasn't some kind of Mano a Mano showdown, it was bullying on a grand scale. But you go on to say, but also, you know, in 15 years, throughout this period... You weren't involved in that many incidents. You know, it wasn't like it was. It was something that was happening all the time. That's actually a false narrative. That's not
5: not the case. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you could avoid it if you wanted to. And that, um, you know, largely most people who went the match went for the match, had a drink, and enjoyed themselves. Yeah, there was a lot of street theatre going on where there'd be a charge and a counter charge, and there'd be no blows. You know, and, and often you just walk straight through it, but just occasionally you get caught. And that day we got caught. And um, you know, it's uh, when you did get caught. You normally suffered a little bit. OK,
1: well, that's in there as well. Everything's in there. It's the story of that season and what that season meant to British cultural life uh, and to British football life. It isn't just Liverpool or Evan. I would strongly, strongly recommend this, certainly to any West Ham United supporter and also to Manchester United supporters as well. If you do know any, do feel free to recommend it along. Everyone else should be buying it. Tony Evans, Two Tribes. It is uh, out now at the time that you're listening to this and me and Tony are going to be speaking about it. I'll tell you what those dates are in a second. There you have it, Uh, me and Tony there. And we're going to be continuing that conversation in two different forms. Uh, Next week uh, on Thursday, the 29th of March, sorry, in two weeks' time, a week on Thursday, uh, we are going to be in the Waterstones in Liverpool one me and Tony having a chat about 1986 and what it was like, the game at that time, the wider political and social landscape, not just of the city of Liverpool, but of the nation as a whole. We're going to be discussing that next Thursday, half past six, we're going to be having that conversation. Really looking forward to it, should be fantastic. And obviously Tony will be signing books after that if you can get down in Liverpool and if not uh, me and Tony had and, and as, as a, we'll do both by all means me and Tony had a conversation uh, for the Anfield player uh, all of our premium content that exists as well that is available uh, from next week we'll be releasing that uh, half an hour uh, three quarters of an hour of me and Tony chatting away on that as well it's all really really good stuff the book is fantastic really do check it out Reds or Blues or West Ham supporters to be honest with you it's a very very interesting piece of work indeed uh, anyway this is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City talk in a minute or two. Can be back talking about uh, Liverpool versus Watford with Paul, Rick, and Adam. Uh, but before then, this is R.E.M. and this is "Losing My Religion." That's "Losing My Religion" by R.E.M. Uh, back with Paul, Rick, and Adam to talk through this game that's coming this weekend against Watford. Um, th- weird things in football. Rick McAvoy. Uh, Watford are a very big side. Uh, Watford have scored, go- have conceded the second highest number of goals in the Premier League from set pieces. So there'll be this thing that we'll do all week, all the way through the game in Amphria. we'll all be in the grounds and they'll get a free kick or they'll get a corner and we'll go, don't fancy this. And when it goes the other way, we won't be going, come on Reggie, you can sort these out. They've conceded the second most from free kicks and corners this season.
0: Uh, Yeah, Uh, we have actually been on the quiet pretty good from set pieces, both for and against, at at least since Van Dijk came in, if not... For most of the season, to be honest, there's been some high-profile ones, not least against Watford themselves. But we are getting the ball in dangerous areas We're we're not looking under pressure when, when corners come into the box nowadays. And I think despite the, the obvious amount of panic that we'll have at a big side lining up to charge into our box, these are terrible away from home. Is it like genuinely terrible they've actually got I think they're eighth in the form league for away performances this season but they've not won away since the end of November Wow I think they've had four wins those four wins were Bournemouth Swansea Southampton and Newcastle and that kind of tells you the story about how terrible this team this this league is that the team that's got the eighth best away record has only won four against equally bad sides and not since November. Yeah. so not really a huge amount I think Decore is their top scorer on seven Dini's got six it's not nothing there should really be striking fear into our hearts
3: yeah I mean th- there was something similar with them the other year where I-, I, f- I really feared going to Vicarage Road but I remember them coming to Anfield I think they were six or seventh in the table at the time and then we put six past them or something they- they've not travelled well under I don't know how many managers they've had in that time um, so it's, it's not it's not a game in the fixture book Watford and Anfield I fear I, um, but you see you see glimpses of them since Javi Gratti has been there I've, I've, they have looked a bit better you know, I think the change is being justified but that being said I, I can't I can't see past a Liverpool win tomorrow I think Liverpool will have a bit of a a, a be in the bonnet about last Saturday's game I think it's really important we hit the ground running get a bit of momentum a bit of anger shown from from that defeat last week, and really pick ourselves back up, so we've got that positive momentum both, both on and off the pitch. So people are talking about us positively ahead ahead of these Manchester City games. Adam, i have never
1: really been in in what you can call proper relegation. bother this season, offered they've been top half. They've been the nearest thing there is, arguably, along with Burnley to and Burnley have been in seventh to a proper mid-table side this season. Even Leicester had the scare with Craig Shakespeare and then shot up the table. Everton with Allardyce, you know, Everton were were, were languishing. Watford have never, Watford and Burnley have never really touched, touched down. And if anything, you know, as as Rick's saying there, it sort of tells you the story of the strange death of mid-table football in this country that a side that hasn't won on the road since November, has got the 8th best away record, is sitting around what is normally called mid-table, doesn't have that many points on the board, hasn't looked particularly impressive and we really shouldn't be scared of them coming to Anfield.
2: Yeah, and it's fascinating, isn't it, because a lot of people... A lot of people have a, a sort of thing about about the Premier League and this, you know, the business of the, the, they're now the top six and, you know, sort of saying, oh, it's not competitive anymore and blah, blah, blah. All right, well, just beat the teams around you then. If you want to be more competitive, just be, at least beat the other rubbish in the league rather than, you know, being worried about what the top six are doing because th- th- no one would have got near the top six this season or the top five, actually, because Arsenal have been, have been dreadful. But... It's absolutely bonkers that sort of two two wins in a row will send you up to about eleventh or something. That's mad compared to previous seasons this year. Um, and I, I think what you were saying before about the, the size of them scares you. I think the extent to which narratives dominate football now is bonkers, and I think we saw it this week with uh, Courtois in the uh, Courtois in the Champions League and, uh, and De Gea in the Champions League. If either of our goalkeepers have conceded the goals they conceded, now I know that you know, De Gea has got the back catalogue of saying i amazing, but he, he basically pushed the ball into the back of his own net. If either of our keepers had done that, everyone would be saying we need to buy a new keeper, buy a new keeper in the summer, buy a new keeper in the summer. People make mistakes and teams score from corners and teams concede from corners. It doesn't mean that every time you play a side with six foot five defenders or whatever, you're going to concede from the corner and you'll probably score a few from a corner as well. And, and Watford, as you say, are, are, are this season's mid-table side and yet, are also in a position where if they lose the next three, they would still be looking over the shoulder and going, "Oh, we could do with getting a win together here." So it's it's a really weird league this season. But I'm not particularly worried. But it feels a little bit. I hope the team's as angry as Jurgen Klopp was in his in his press conference this afternoon because he was furious. I
3: I um I've noticed this across across Europe as well. Actually, there seems to be a big five, a big six in. In a lot of the leagues, if you look at Germany, if you look from about second to fourteenth, there's about six points separates them. It's been it's been a strange season in terms of the big clubs pulling away from from the rest. You know, you don't see that. There's there's normally a side you can upset the top four, or you know, or even it might just get to March and they fall away. You know, you've seen that in previous seasons. This season, it has been across Europe. The big boys have been where they're sort of expected to be. The, apart from maybe Napoli, maybe Pippin, Juventus, in, in Italy the favourites likely to win the league. It's I don't know if it's indicative of where football's at, and the, and and the the money factors and whatnot. But I've never I've never quite seen as as we're talking about the the abolishment of a, of a mid table. It's either been you, you you're up there for honours or Champions League European football, or you're in a relegation battle because I think. Th- I think the leagues below are even suffering as well. So all the teams in Premier League, in La Liga, are taking the money and they're strengthening. So they look really solid. And then they're really solid. They could go and beat anyone in the championship or they'd look strong in the championship apart from the odd team. But they are still miles away generally. But this yeah, this season, the, the bigger boys are even that much stronger. Uh,
1: looking at us this weekend, Rick, Everyone's mentioned him being angry there. There's an argument around being calm. I'd like to see Henderson reintroduced into centre midfield. Uh, I, I would have no problem at reintroducing Henderson next to Emery Chan, but I'd like to see Henderson reintroduced back into centre midfield. I think that Liverpool will have to retain the composure against Watford. I think it's the front three will be the front three. Are you expecting any
0: surprises? N- not really. I think what Paul referenced earlier about when Watford came to Anfield last season, we, we actually scored relatively, I think it was about 23, 24 minutes Chan scores, but it was edgy up till then. For some reason it was it was a really edgy atmosphere in the ground. We were dominating them, having them having chances. And I think that's more a, a function of, of where the team was then. I don't think you'll see it now. I think you're right. Henderson should definitely be back in the team. I think we missed his quick vertical passing or just just his speed of, of distribution against uh, United last weekend other than that he might he might want to give Lalana another start get him as close to fully fit as he can but can't see any changes to the front three maybe want to give Gomez another shout but in terms of Gomez and Lovren who potentially came out last weekend with question marks over their performances he's got a record of, of wanting to stick by his guys Alexander-Arnold Alexander, Alexander, and Lovlin. Yeah,
3: Alexander. yeah, I can't see past Trent getting another runner. I'd be interested to see how, how close Nathaniel Klein is. Now he's been back in training for a while, so it wouldn't be surprised. if You You can imagine, as much as I think the two young lads at right back have done well, you can imagine Jürgen Klopp would love a fully fit Nathaniel Klein for Manchester City. That that would be my, my, my opinion on that. I mean, as I sort of referenced earlier in the show, you can make a change at left-back, you can make a change at right-back. You could go with Moreno and Gomez and it's different. You can bring Matip in for Lovren. You've changed three out of your back five. These are the changes you can make. Lalana can come in. You know, Oxlade-Chamberlain didn't play so well. at Old Trafford, there's another change. Henderson can come in for Milner again. And all of a sudden you've made six and seven changes and this is a refreshed Liverpool side, but without a real quality drop-off. And I think that's quite important in terms of where we are as a, squ- a squad so I'm t- we're talking about rotation and in the show I'm going I don't think he can do much but he can do a lot without actually looking on the surface of a- weakening the side it's not necessarily having to be you know the Solanke for Salah thing you need to do because you know there's been a week between these two fixtures the lads will be well rested anyway it's a week to Palace isn't it So. but the international break yeah the international break,
1: that yeah. might play in his favour. i might actually play in the Lana's favour. The Lana's been picked for England, and it was one of the the rare times I thought, well, that's quite good news. Mm. Yeah. Uh, let, them, let, let, let them run round and look sure some match fitness on their watch <laughs> rather than on ours, Adam. Uh, Adam, give me, how uh, do the game will play out and I won't give me a prediction?
2: I think, I, think, I think if we score early, I think it'll settle into a nice rhythm and it could be sort of 3-4-1, something like that. I think um, I agree with what Paul's saying about... Um, Salah chasing the golden boot now and I, you know I think he'll fancy bagging a couple of goals here and, and giving himself a bit of uh, daylight between uh, between him and Kane um but while while Kane's out injured um and I, I think I think the biggest I, I think Klopp's biggest mistake in the United match was was letting Henderson play against Porto. I said it at the time. It's not just retrospect. I think it, it was it was silly to do that because he's a vital player to the way this Liverpool team plays at its best, and I think he brings the best out of Chan. So I'd like to see Henderson back in there, getting back into the swing of things. Um, uh, you know, maybe get a, a, a slight a slight tight hamstring or something that means he doesn't have to go and play for England you know that sort of thing would be quite <laughs> nice wouldn't it um, but yeah I, but I think I think if it's if there's an early goal I think it'll be a bit of a walk in the park not not I don't think we'll batter them but I think it'll be the sort of game where where as, as you often say Neil you know 70 minutes on the clock
0: we're 2-0 3-0 up we just shake hands and that's the end of the game Rick a quick prediction uh, I'm thinking we'll get another clean sheet so I'll go 3-0 3-0 Paul yeah, I'm confident as
3: well. Don't, you know, two people saying 3-0. It, 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 might, it might sound a bit of arrogance going to the game, but I just can't see past us.
1: Okay, uh, thank you very much. It's been the Anfield Wrap this week. Thanks to Paul, thanks to Rick, and thanks to Adam. Uh, and also, thank you very much to the good people at Radio City. It's the six, the week of our six-year anniversary here at Radio City. Uh, we've had an absolute ball doing so. So thanks to them for having us on and for keeping us on uh, through all of these periods of Liverpool history. And thank you very much indeed for listening to us and letting us start your weekend throughout the rest of our period. Six years of us on Friday nights, lighting it up for you. Uh, whatever you're doing this Friday night, Liverpool, really enjoy yourself. Take it easy.
5: Podcast Network.